Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Serie A fan. After a bruising international break, Scudetto crew is back. And to add insult to injury, both Milan and Napoli have lost their unbeaten status, ruining both Boas' weekend and Serie A's bragging rights in one fell swoop. We get into all of that, look ahead to the Champions League, plus children's parties, underqualified doctors, and the podcast Kiss of Death, on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to Scudetto. And... Let me just say, let me start off by issuing an apology to all of our listeners who were wondering where we were last week. Um, we're back to Mondays for the time being. We were too sad to record after that shambles of an international break, um, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll be recording at the start of the week for the time being. Obviously, means we'll be more focused on what's happened, but it also gives us a chance to talk about the Champions League games that are coming up. Um, so on that note, Kenny, how are you doing? How is your weekend? Good, yeah, yeah. I had a crazy, crazy busy weekend of going to two children's parties and uh, children's swimming class and children's tennis classes. Fortunately, I was accompanying my daughter. I don't just turn up at these things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it was busy but good. How was yours, Oscar? Sounds good. Yeah, did you find time to watch some football? At least? I did indeed. Yeah, I managed to catch two of the two of the weekend's games. One of which was incredible, one of which I wish I hadn't watched, but we'll get onto that in a bit. Yeah, I watched a little bit of Serie A also, and um, also watched Antonio Conte's first game, or first home game in the league, 2-1 victory, which we won't be talking about today, except for what I've already said. Uh, How about you, Baz? I think you were at a kid's party as well, weren't you? Yeah, it seems to be a plague at the moment. I had uh, my my son's um, kindergarten slash nursery event today, and I have to say I'm it's not clear to me how we are the alpha species on this planet because these children are <laughs> not very evolved. I, I, like, honestly, without their parents, they would run into fires and stuff. I don't understand. But not a lot of uh, social distancing going on. But the we we all had our masks on. Um, but bit interesting. Yeah, I don't recommend it. It's my idea of hell. <laughs> okay, uh, good advice for me, I guess. We forgot to do the beers. Uh, Kenny, what have you got there to drink? I've got my hands on a, well, it's new to me, but I've, I've seen it doing the rounds over the last couple of months. But it's a brew dog, but it's a planet ale, pale ale. And it's very nice. It's, I, I think, of the, the weaker ales that they do, I think it's possibly overtaken Dead Pony Club for me. Very pleasant. Yeah, is it a zero point five or is it? Oh no, I say the low alcohol. I mean the ones that aren't like Boaz level. It's uh, four point <laughs> three. So yeah, I've got a properly very low alcohol drink. Obviously, moving to East London, um, this podcast become or since I moved to East London, this podcast become more pretentious. So I've got kombucha because I run out. Be careful about revealing your address because some of those hardcore fans that accosted you to find out why we weren't recording on the the. Th- 
correct day of the week who might <laughs> stalk you. Or maybe they'll come around with a case of beer or something. The ones that know Chalanoglu's address, yeah. <laughs> yeah and at yeah, the good exactly. hospitals in Milan. Have you checked the, the routes to the hospitals around your house? <laughs> Never know. Um, how about you, Buzz? Got a beer today? I have uh, Bindi IPA, which I've also had in a previous episode. Good stuff. All right, um, let's move on to the football then, shall we? Uh, we've once again given the Scudetto kiss of death to the league leaders. Uh, we were praising Napoli and Milan for being the only unbeaten teams in, I think we said in the world, it was certainly true that they were the only unbeaten teams in the top European leagues. But that's, so yeah, and, and both of them lost at the weekend. Um, so let's start with Milan, shall we, Bars? Must have been a disappointing experience for you. Are you glad that you didn't watch it with uh, the Viola Club Israel? It's funny because I'd actually proposed it at the beginning of the season and we slightly entertained it and then I completely forgot about it. And yes, I'm I'm glad that I didn't uh, watch this game with, uh, albeit a very nice Fiorentina fan. This was undoubtedly Milan's worst performance of the season. They they entered the field looking uh, uninterested. Uh, the approach was half-hearted and there was a lot of individual mistakes. In the past, Milan have relied on... Uh, on a few uh, moments of genius to kind of dig them out of this mess. And they've not always played well in, on this, in this season, but they've always made sure to get a result. In this game, the mistakes piled up. And while Milan have the alibi of missing some key players due to injury, uh, let's face it, Fiorentina themselves were missing quite a lot of key players, including their two uh, starting centre-backs. It would be wrong to just talk about Milan's terrible performance because... Credit has to go to Vincenzo Italiano, who's uh, decided that since he he's missing half of his defense, he might as well uh, defend up front from the attack. And you could see that with the Fiorentina players uh, pressing the Milan defense, uh, really running their socks off. But ultimately, for me, Milan just didn't approach this game correctly, and that can happen. It's and you know it's a long. There's a long season ahead. Milan had to lose sooner or later. It's just a shame that, mm. uh, you know, it's a bit worrying to yeah. concede four goals against a team that hasn't scored that many so far this season. So, What would you say is different about the approach? Just wondering, because obviously you said they relied on the moments of brilliance before and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic obviously still coming up with those to a certain extent, becoming the oldest player in, to ever score a brace in Serie A and also, uh, yeah, could have had a hat-trick, which went down as an own goal. Um, but what was the difference? Just too many mistakes at the back. The mistakes at the back certainly didn't help, but it felt like the the approach of the whole team was um, it's a it's a footballing cliche, but they were second best to every ball. They 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 their passing was wayward, and uh, if you consider that the contract rebel Kessie was wearing the captain's armband for this game, I mean that's there's kind of a metaphor to how Milan played. And again, credit to Fiorentina, but uh, these are the kind of games that Milan should should be winning if they want to win the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would just say that they are the one. I guess they are the games that you should be winning if you if you want to win the league. But at the start of the season, a lot of people speculated as to whether Fiorentina would make it uh, the eight sisters instead of the the seven sisters. And you know, we saw like at the start of the season, we we're very very excited about Fiorentina, and then they started to you know tiring games early and things and we started wondering if we'd overhyped them but look at where Fiorentina are look at where they are now look at where they were um this time last season and I mean they've come on a, a, 
a very very long way and i mean they are in the top they are in the top eight now so i guess just to show what how high our expectations were of uh, vincenzo italiano the um the fact that they're well in the mix with with the other seven big teams of the moment um speaks volumes so atalanta lost earlier in the season to, to fiorentina um, it's not like this is unheard of, and not also in their uh, under Prandelli, I believe they they beat Juve last season as well. So I mean, the, yeah, Milan should be winning it if they're going to win the league, but it's not like it's not a disaster yeah. if you ask me. I mean, the disaster is to ship four yeah. goals, but not to lose this game by sure. one goal. If you look at um, their recent run, you'll see that uh, apart from that Atalanta game, as you mentioned. Fiorentina lost to Roma at the beginning of the season. They lost to Inter. They lost to Napoli. And they lost to Juventus. And Lazio, sorry. So, again, it just shows that, for me, this was a game that Milan should have been aiming to win. But perhaps this is where uh, Vincenzo Italiano's team kind of turns the corner and starts uh, making uh, good value on the the great play that they've shown. Yeah, Yeah, just before they lose Flavic in general. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I was just going to say something similar that... um, to what you you're inferring there, but it's probably it's, it's a more disappointing result for Milan to be losing that game than it is for um, Napoli to be dropping points to Inter. Do you agree with that? Yeah, of course. I mean, Inter are the defending champions, and uh, there were there were times where I was watching this game, and it was a fantastic game of football. Um, just let's just say that right from from the off. Um, it had some yeah. some worrying moments in it, obviously with the the head injuries. But an absolutely fantastic game of football. But there were times where I was like, I'm a bit disappointed that um, it's all Inter on the front foot and Napoli, um, who arguably created the better chances early on, but they were all on the break. It was all like on the break. But then, you know, I kind of had to check myself and be like, well, again, let's look at where Napoli were last season and let's consider the fact that Inter are champions. And to go to San Siro and again to lose by one goal to the defending champions who are, I mean, aside from Napoli and Milan, obviously the main the main contenders. I still think the only contenders um, for the Scudetto alongside um, Milan and Napoli is not going to be like a huge blow. What's a bigger blow for Napoli is the injuries um, that have come out of this mm-hmm. game uh, because we've obviously spoken before about the African Cup of Nations coming up uh, and it now looks like they're going to lose Anguissa and Ossiman for the best part of two months. I know Anguissa is only supposed to be out for a few weeks, but then we're coming to the Christmas sort of break, and then we've got the African Cup of Nations afterwards. I think that is more more worrying than this defeat for for Napoli. So we'll see. Yeah, sure. It's perhaps a, a good result for the title race, kind of keeps things alive. But uh, Milan also got a pretty extensive injury list that, that we should mention. Um, Buzz, you, how much effect do you think the kind of injury lists are going to be having on this title? Does it favour Inter? I think that if you consider just the first 11, Inter are probably the best uh, place team in the league right now. They they have a very complete squad with perhaps the exception of the goalkeeper. They're, they're, very, they're stacked in every area of the pitch. Um, but maybe Milan have more uh, depth. Uh, there's a a good squad and a lot of replacements. But of course, as you mentioned, a lot of these uh, players are currently injured. We have uh, we found out that Rebic will be out for the, until the new year. And that he that's a, yet another 
name to add to the list but uh as i think that in this year that's post covid and with the calendar is kind of uh very very tight uh, there's going to be a lot more injuries and it's kind of it's a it's a theme we touched on last year but uh ultimately these these guys are athletes they're not machines and if you, if you increase the amount of games and you decrease the amount of uh days to recover there's obviously going to be more injuries i'm, I'm no doctor but that seems pretty obvious to me mm. I just wanted to pick up very quickly on something that Boaz said there about Inter having the, the strongest eleven. I mean, possibly, but I think one of Inter's biggest strengths last season was the, like how Conte transformed them and got rid of all of that fragility. And they were more likely to go and score a 92nd minute winner than kind of concede at the end. And I think this game, while it was a fantastic result for Inter and while it does bring them right back into the Scudetto race, uh, I think... The worrying sign is still there that they were very fragile at the end and Napoli should really have taken a point in a game that Inter, for me, on the whole, dominated. Again, it was very open. Napoli created some great chances on the break. Napoli were away from home against the reigning champions. That's totally understandable. But Inter had this game. Inter had control of the game and they very, very nearly gave it away. Um, so I'm not really in the camp that now we've seen this transformation. All the Italian papers were like, this is Inter start from here. This is where Inter's challenge starts from sort of thing. I, I, I'm not buying that yet. I need to see more. Uh, and I need to see more of that sort of mental toughness that we saw under Conte if I think this Inter team is uh, really going to be favourites for, for the league this year. Yeah, they definitely look the more likely to concede at the end Napoli really shanked a couple of chances that you'd really expect them to put away, like you said. Um, but t- speaking of teams who are kind of regaining old form, um, what do you think of the claims that Juventus are back you know, after their 2-0 win against Lazio? On the back of that performance, absolutely not. Uh, so that was the other game that I watched that I, I wished I hadn't watched, to be honest. It was an awful game of football, really, from a, from a neutral's point of view. Uh, I mean, Juventus got two Two penalties, which were very, very legitimate penalties, really created very little beyond that. Uh, Lazio were on the the front foot the whole time, but even even they didn't like didn't really do anything. I mean, Luis Alberto looks like a shadow of the player that he was uh, last season and the, and the year before that, and even um, even Pedro, who has been fantastic. I mean. <laughs> If anything, that's that's where Allegri had success, basically. They marked Pedro out of the game. Pedro had to start drifting wide in the, the second half to try and see any of the ball. And it was just like really turgid viewing. And if it wasn't for two penalty calls, I mean, you can say, oh, tactical masterstroke, they find a way to win. But this wasn't Juve finding a way to win. This was a way Lazio finding a way to gift to penalties to, to Juve because they were both really, really rash tackles uh and obviously Reina coming out of his box as well like that a really rash decision before he kind of clattered into into the back of Chiesa um there really wasn't very much to get excited about here yes a good result away from home for for Juve but on the basis of that performance they're they're not even going to lay a lay a glove on uh, on Milan Napoli or Inter this season yeah that, that uh, result takes them up to 8 um, joint on points with uh, Fiorentina, yeah. who we're just speaking about. For me, the notable takeaway from that match was how uh, Sari kind of lost his rag. Before the game, he uh, mentioned that he wasn't a Juventus fan and therefore he was happy that they won the league with him. But other than that, 
he couldn't care less about the Juventus fans and he's sure that they couldn't care less about him, which is fair enough, but may, maybe not something that should be expressed before the game. And after the game, he um, he said that Juventus had a soft penalty and that they just defended on the edge of their area, which is, it's true, but if it's not broken, why fix it? And Sari, if Sari knew that this was what they were going to do, maybe he should have come up with um, some tactical plan to beat it. Yeah, does sounds a bit bitter coming from uh, Sarri in that moment. Um, do you expect uh, Juve to park the bus against Chelsea in a similar way on Wednesday, Bas? Juve have the benefit of having already qualified from this Champions League group, so in, in theory they could rest some key players. I think um, it's in their DNA right now to quote-unquote park the bus, and I think coming to London with Chelsea wanting to take the three points, partly to avenge the first game, but also I guess to, to win the group, Allegri will try and get an away draw and maybe steal a goal on the break. It's probably not going to be such great viewing, but maybe uh, Tuchel can uh, uh, help us out and get an early goal that might force Max to mix things up a little bit. Yeah, and just while we're on the the Champions League, let's just have a quick look at the other fixtures. Milan obviously in a very difficult spot. I think they're not quite mathematically out of it, but um, bottom of the group with... uh, Couple of games. I said at the beginning of the season, and I said it kind of as a joke that maybe Milan should drop out of the Champions League altogether and focus on the league. But it looks like they they took me a little bit too seriously. So the Scudetto kiss of death <laughs> is back. Yeah. Do you want to, in that case, um, wish the best of luck to Inter in their game against Shakhtar, <laughs> or would you be? <laughs> I, I I I honestly and genuinely wish them the best of luck against Shakhtar, and I, I hope that for the, for the coefficient and. For other reasons, also kind of to rile Conte up a little bit, I, I'd like to see Simone Inzaghi uh, <laughs> get the team out of the groups, which was his stated aim at the beginning of the season. So that, that'll be a great feat of one-upmanship on the previous boss. Yeah, and I think you were saying before, Kenny, if uh, Inter win and Real Madrid win, then they go through. So every chance of that happening. And how about Atalanta uh, against the... The famed young boys of Bern. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no, there's no option here um, other than other than to win this game. And uh, Gasparini, I know, has been uh, referencing the fact that it's not going to be played on on grass. It's uh, on five uh, G or whatever G it's on. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, it's five G now. It was three G, I think, when Harry Redknapp was complaining. Right. About it. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Either way, uh, plastic uh, grass of uh, of some sort. Um, but Atalanta have to have to win this game, um, really, because because Man United and Villarreal, the, the other two sides, are two points ahead of them. Um, and I mean, it, it's this is probably the one where we don't know. We know that we know that Inter, uh, if they win, they should go through. We know that Juve are already through. We know that Milan are unlikely to go through. Um, Atalanta's still more on a on a knife edge. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, they did well at the weekend. Great preparation. I mean, Spezia was a bit like target practice in the end, really, uh, the way that game turned out, despite um, going down early on. But yeah, I, I expect them to field a strong team. Uh, good good for Atalanta is that they've got their uh, their defense back after having had people like Darun filling in at, uh, at the right of the back three. Um, so that's not going to be the case anymore. So, I, I mean... I, I wouldn't say quietly confident, but yeah, there's there's no option. Like there was no option for Italy, but to uh, beat yeah. Switzerland. Really, there's no option for the Italian <laughs> club but to go to Switzerland and get a result. So. Oh no, you've given them the scudetto kiss of death. Um, 
but yeah, it's definitely my uh, pick of the midweek games. Those games on the artificial surface against young surface against young boys always exciting. Often see a lot of goals and players misjudging the bounce of the ball and that sort of thing. So definitely be one to look out for. Uh, right, I think before we um, wrap up the main talking points section, we've put it off long enough. We're going to have to address the other Scudetto kiss of death. Well, I, I gave you the segue there. That's uh, expecting you to pick up on it, Oscar. Oh, sorry, mate. Not professional enough broadcaster to uh, twig that one. But um, do you want to want to give me your thoughts on Italy potentially boycotting the Qatar World Cup? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think. I'm happy for uh, for Boaz to to give his views. Uh, look, undoubtedly disappointing. Um, Italy should still, and this is the other kiss of death here. Um, there there are a lot of high ranked teams in in the playoffs, but Italy are European champions, and if they they should have enough about themselves to to back themselves to go into into these playoffs and and win. Simple as that, really. That three, three out of the twelve teams go through. Uh, Italy need to make sure that they're they're one of them. Uh, I think I don't want to preempt what what Boaz is going to say here, but uh, I wouldn't want to make too much. I wouldn't want to be too disparaging towards Switzerland because they're. I think they're ranked something like thirteenth in the world. There are nine groups in the European qualif- qualifiers, so. It, they were always going to be difficult, you know. They were. It was always going to be tough. Italy were always going to be the the favourites. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But it's not like we're talking about, you know, what should have been an easy stroll through an easy group. Uh, so disappointed as any Italy fan is. Um, Italy obviously still have that big question around the the number nine, but. <sighs> I don't know. Let's see where let's see where we are after the playoffs because I'm not uh, I, I'm not really ready to, for the doom and gloom after the the highs of the the Euros. But it would be very Italy to to not get to the World Cup after winning that. Yeah. How about you, Baz? Any solutions to the uh, lack of a striker dilemma? So first of all, Italy have form in this where they they win a tournament, for example, eighty two, and then they either don't qualify for the next tournament or they do abysmally. So it it wouldn't be a great shock, but this would be the first time that Italy missed two World Cups in a row. And the, for me, the most depressing thing about this would be that despite Italy not being at the World Cup, the Serie A would stop for a month and a half and we'd have to watch this tournament knowing that our own <laughs> heroes aren't there. But without sounding too cocky and hopefully not uh, applying the kiss of death again, I think rumors of Italy's demise have been greatly exaggerated. After all, they only conceded two goals in the entire uh, qualifying section one of which was uh, quite a, a weird uh, counter-attacking goal by Bulgaria, which ultimately I think is where Italy actually lost the, qualifi- the automatic qualification spot. It, w- it was a freak result, the first game after the Euros, and honestly Bulgaria had two shots, not two shots on target, two shots the whole game. So uh, it's, it's one of those freak results, and of course it has to be said, if uh, Jorginho scores either of the penalties against uh, Switzerland, we'd be talking about a very different uh, situation right now. It uh, particularly stings when you know that uh, both Bonucci and Berardi, who were on the pitch against uh, Switzerland, scored their penalties uh, in the weekend games. But uh, it it would be wrong to just pin this on him. I think Italy have lacked goals in this qualifying section. And as I was telling you guys, uh, m- maybe we were a little bit overly critical of Ciro Immobile. He's, he's kind of like that... Um, 
that item of clothing that's been sitting in your uh, cupboard for several years and you're like yeah it's nice but maybe i can go out and get myself something more fancy and then you wear the fancier thing and it's completely uncomfortable it doesn't work for you you look like a dickhead honestly and you have to go back to your old uh, comfortable chewing mobile jeans i th- it i think this quest for the number nine has been uh, has been kind of tragic there have been talks this week of naturalizing uh joao pedro of calgary who is a very decent player but honestly if joao pedro is the the answer i don't know what the question is like i think once uh italy recover a few of the injured players and kind of uh get a little bit of rest i, th- I think the the national team will be rejuvenated and hopefully go into this qualifying round uh with confidence and held and their heads held up high the only team i slightly fear in in that qualifying round with all due respect to scotland kenny is uh portugal of course but on paper at least italy should be able to beat portugal that there is the scudetto kiss of death boss because you know what's going to happen next don't you <laughs> well i i would want to reveal that in our private conversations kenny sent us a message saying that uh, oh no Scotland could draw Italy, and I and I wrote, "Let's hope." So that that, that there that there is the scudetto kiss of death. Sorry. Yeah, well, that'll be the game that Mario Balotelli gets recalled for, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be very minutes. tired walking all the way from Turkey, as he offered to do. I mean, I I don't know why he offered to do that because presumably the Italian uh, football association can afford a, a plane ticket, but. I've mentioned this in the past, but I mean, obviously in, in 2022, Balotelli is not the answer to Italy's goal problems. But again, in a parallel universe where Balotelli's career went where it was supposed to go, Balotelli would be like at the front and center of this strike force. It's just he's not the player that he was going to be, let's say. Yeah, I, I guess one final thing, sorry, Oscar, before we move on, is I would like to touch on the, the Northern Ireland game because obviously, you know, the... The postmortems were being conducted in the aftermath, and I think when you watch the that game back, the I mean, Italy played very well in the first half. Things didn't quite go their way. Um, in the second half, Northern Ireland became like absolutely resolute and uh, played out of their skins really, and Italy just began to began to run out, run out of ideas. It's it can happen. It's an away game and. Yes, we can be disparaging about Northern Ireland in the same way that people are disparaging about Scotland or whatever. But at the end of the day, they have got to major competitions in recent history. It, you can't just assume that um, you're going to turn up and, and win a game like that. Uh, so, again, a disappointing result. But, uh, you know, it's not like Italy were played off the park and just managed to, to scrape to scrape a draw. Um disappointing result had the first half gone slightly differently had Italy got the breaks in the first half then it would be a different story and ultimately yeah. with uh, Switzerland going on to beat Bulgaria f- uh, 4-0 it wouldn't have really mattered I-, I doubt Italy could have got three goals against Ireland yeah that's true as well yeah yeah point taken however had they been a club team they definitely would have qualified for the bad week <laughs> award um, <laughs> But since they're not, we have to decide who gets that as well as who gets the Good Week Award. Any nominations? Boaz, I know you were keen to nominate your own team for Bad Week. Yeah, I think uh, shipping four goals against, albeit a good Fiorentina side, it was, is uh, pretty shocking. And the attitude shown by some of the players was also um, not up to par. And, and it's a shame because it, with uh, Napoli playing Inter, it, it was a potential chance to kind of... Uh, 
gain some points on the rivals instead that we have a we have a fresh league now. Kenny, it sounds like Lazio potentially deserved the nomination as well. Well, no, I mean uh, only if Juve are, are up for it as well, I and mean, it was uh, it, it takes two to <laughs> tango that badly, basically. Um, okay, we'll give it to Milan. Then, yeah, I think I think Milan probably deserve it. Um, and then for good week, I guess. Um, Fiorentina or Inter really have got to be the main candidates based on our discussion so far. I, I think it has to be Inter. Boas mentioned that uh, uh, Fiorentina, uh, a, a couple of the goals they were <laughs> kind of presented with on a silver platter. Uh, Inter were sensational. It was an incredible game of football. There wasn't a single bad goal in that game. Five goals, all of them uh, absolutely wonderful, including the penalty from Chalanoglu. And I, I wear, I'm aware, as I say that, that it was a penalty, but that that penalty was absolutely inch perfect. I mean, it couldn't, you can't take a better penalty than that. Um, yeah, and and for what it means for the for the Scudetto race and Inter have dragged themselves back in it. And it was a fantastic advert for Serie A and part of this uh, Premier Leagueization of uh, Italian football with end-to-end stuff and last-minute tackles. Just really enjoyable. And Perisic scoring a header from an absolutely ridiculous angle as well. All sorts of contortions going on there. All right. Keeping both the awards in Milan this week then. Um, No big surprises elsewhere, really. Atlanta coming out 5-2 winners against Spezia. Uh, Roma overcoming Shoshenko's Genoa 2-0. We'll talk a little bit about that one in the mentions. Um, Sassuola and Cagliari drawing 2-2 in another game, which we'll mention briefly later. Uh, Venezia winning 1-0 away to Bologna. And as we were recording this podcast, uh, Verona versus Empoli and Torino versus Udinese both finished 2-1 to the home team. Upcoming fixtures this weekend with Kenny. Have you got a pick of the weekend? It's got to be the game between Juve and Atalanta. Uh, for me, personally, I, I know that I said that Juve were absolutely horrific to, to watch, but the implications of this game for the Champions League race are absolutely huge, really. If Atalanta win it, then they'll be, I believe, seven points clear of Juve. And given that we're more than a third of the way through the season, that would be uh, enormous. If Juve win it, obviously all bets are off. And I think it, you would you would fancy Juve to probably keep grinding out these exciting uh, results that they're grinding out and probably yeah, claw you have back. To revise your, you have to revise your answer to the question of whether Juve are back next week. But I guess elsewhere, obviously, there's a, a small matter of uh, Napoli taking on Lazio. Uh, and that's uh, after Sarri's managed to, to go to war with one of his previous clubs. We'll see if he can avoid avoid doing it uh, with another one of his uh, previous clubs. But that's obviously a, a huge game as well. Uh, and I guess we'll see what Napoli are made of, with, you know, minus Aussie men in this one and the Scudetto race could take another another huge turn as well yeah a weekend so exciting you couldn't pick just one fixture um so Baz I don't have your jingle ready but um it's time for keeping up with the Italians so uh here's a quick round of Italians playing abroad and you may remember former wonder kid Federico Maceda who used to play for Man United uh he's currently playing for Panathinaikos and he got a goal and an assist in their win against Arababuli. So good for him. It's nice to see that he's still playing. My favorite striker at the moment, Kevin Yeboah, got the brace in the Austrian in first league. And uh, 
He's now he's not top goal scorer there anymore. He's just second top goal scorer, but we're hoping he gets the award. Going to managers abroad, you guys will be happy that uh, Antonio Conte got his first win as uh, Tottenham manager with a 2-1 win uh, against Leeds. By all counts, it wasn't the greatest game ever, but apparently uh, Conte himself showed great passion. Staying in the UK, Sir Claudio Ranieri was uh, responsible for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer eventually getting the chop with a crazy 4-1 win against Man United. I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and bet on that result because no one could have predicted that. And um, ending with managers uh, doing their things abroad, I've got to go to um, Kirimini City, which is a club in the second division in Zanzibar, Zanzibar who just hired um, the Sardinian manager Giovanni Scanu, uh, who looks like he, he's really enjoying himself and has a little bit of a potbelly standing there in the middle of the African sun. Um <laughs> Seems like another one of these Italian managers who's really taken to traveling and enjoying it. Lovely. Thanks for that, Baz. Let's kick off the honorable and dishonorables section with a goals honorable, which is not a goals honorable, I believe. No, again, it's a records honorable. Oscar, I've explained this to you before. This is for... (laughs) We've got a few records honorables today. (laughs) This is for Dries Mertens, who was already Napoli's all-time top scorer in all competitions, becoming their all-time top scorer in Serie A too, uh, with a fantastic finish at the end. But I repeat, this is not an honorable for the finish, fantastic though it was. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give records honorable to Vlaovic who has equaled Fiorentina's club record for the most goals scored in a calendar year. That's 27. And obviously there's a little bit of a calendar year left, so most likely that he'll beat it before he leaves the club in January. Baz, you've got... Is this an honourable or a dishonourable for uh, Beppe Goodfella? It's a definite honourable for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for my... Every week, Baz just stitches me up with... What's written in the spread? He's a Palermo striker, Beppe Fela, who scored the first goal in, in uh, Rosanero's victory and then uh, proceeded to ask his girlfriend to marry him. So I, I thought that was a nice touch. And I mean, she wasn't going to say no in front of like 20,000 people or whatever, you know. Very smart of him. Yeah, sounds like a good fella. Nice scenes, though. Nice scenes. Yeah. And uh, on that note, you've got an honorable for... Um, is this for Mourinho or is it for uh, Felix Fenejan? Yes, this is an honourable for... Well, you know what? We can give an honourable to... Let's give an honourable to Roma for the story of uh, Felix Afanagian and uh, Mourinho buying him an 800 euro pair of shoes. What I want to know is what, what what kind of shoes are these that they cost 800 euros? I don't know because the bo- the video was cut off before the box was open. Yeah. They go- what are they? I haven't seen the shoes either. I have to have to admit... But yeah, I mean, what what a story! Uh, there's uh, someone was sharing uh, a tweet of his from uh, of Felix Afenagian from uh, not much more than a year ago, I think, when he scored his first goal for whichever youth team it was. I don't even think it was the Primavera, but it might have been the Primavera. And here he was, you know, being brought on in a deadlocked game uh, against Genoa, where Roma just couldn't find a way through, uh, and absolutely turned the game on its head uh, also with a wonderful goal also not a, not a goals honourable uh, but yeah Mourinho saying that he had promised him that if he scored a goal he would buy him uh, this 800 euro pair of shoes that he coveted and then uh, you know coming good on his promise so an honourable for Roma I think we've we've kind of uh, been quite nasty about Roma really recently because uh, of Mourinho's antics yeah. but 
he, he gets some grimy guard, points. Doesn't he really just understand this <laughs> new generation of players so well? It's just so in tune with them. Kenny, we've got you down for another one here for uh, Kate Abalde. This is the actual goals honourable. This is the goals honourable. This is for absolutely one wonderful overhead kick for from uh, Kate Abalde uh, for Cagliari against Sassuolo. And uh, also a little shout out for Nandez as well with some lovely uh, trickery down the wing. But then he plays in what is essentially a, you know, a slightly lofted cross. It doesn't look like there's that much danger. And Keita Balde just uh, pinpoint perfection uh, with the overhead kick. Goes in off the crossbar as well for extra effect. Just uh, lovely. Um, I I wanted to give an honourable to Immobile for refereeing the game. Uh, between, I think it's Lazio employees and the Vatican. I'm not sure exactly who from the Vatican, but some very funny was pictures. Was the popping goal? The or... kit. It ended 7 7, <laughs> and Chiro gave two penalties. <laughs> um, well, obviously, this is an honorable because, as you know, no dishonorables for referees on this mm. podcast. Um, so he's immune at least for a few weeks. But Vidal is certainly not immune from dishonor. Yeah, I mean, I, it really felt like Vidal had kind of turned the corner in his narrative in the past few weeks. He played quite an integral role in the Champions League victories for Inter, and he was kind of seemed like the so-called jolly that uh, Inzaghi could throw on to close out the game. But um, the scenes from his the, the recent uh, Chile game versus Ecuador. Uh, make most horror films look uh, tame, and they they they, they make Nigel De Jong's uh, famous World Cup tackle look like a, a caress, basically. But essentially, Vidal uh, his boot is right up in the air above his own head as well, and it collides with the poor Ecuadorian guy's face. And Vidal also seemed kind of shocked to be sent off for this, which was all extra dishonorable for me. Yeah, absolutely um, shocking, shocking display to the point that. The still image is quite humorous, but obviously a very dangerous thing to be doing. <laughs> Kenny, your dishonorable is uh, somewhat less serious. Yeah, this is for uh, Lozano, who was on uh, international duty, I believe, with, with Mexico, uh, and who was speaking to, to local media and uh, told them that, uh, you know, Napoli had been very good for his uh, for his development and if he, he feels like he's uh, improved a lot there and that one day he hopes to uh, to move to play for a, a big club or, or a bigger club, I think he said. But uh, yeah, that, I, I wonder what sort of a welcome he got when he uh, when he went got back into into Naples after that one. <laughs> yeah, my dishonourable. I'm not sure if it goes to Allegri himself, but uh, the coverage around uh, Allegri being very humble after the Juventus' 2-0 victory. Um, I th- think it was a bit of false humility, really, given that they need to show humility and take it one at, game at a time because great teams, you know, great teams don't get ahead of themselves, I think. It's a bit of a humble brag to assume you're a great team when you're eight. Personally, I would be very humble after that performance as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Baz, you've got um, one last mention for a fellow Italian football podcaster and journalist. I should say that I'm a big fan of um, Gabriele Marcotti's work and he's excellent. But uh, his uh, tweet following the Victor Osman injury that we mentioned earlier had me a little bit... Uh, Curious, he wrote, um, Victor Osman suffered a compound fracture on his cheekbone and orbit and will need surgery out for at least a month, possibly more. We'll have a clearer picture after surgery. 
Now, is it just me or is Marcotti making it sound like he's sitting there by Victor Wasserman's <laughs> bedside waiting for news? Like, we will have a clear picture. Come on, man. It sounds like... Maybe he's doing this Yeah, I think as Oscar said, he makes it sound like he's... Uh, yeah, passing passing the news on to concerned family, and once he said, "Look at the X-rays," he'll let us know. He's living out his George Clooney <laughs> ER fantasies. Well, anyway, we are we are waiting. <laughs> I, I should I should say and, uh, ev- we wish Victor awesome. And all I should the rest. everyone in Italy when you get a degree or you're considered a doctor. So if if anyone asks, "Is there a doctor in the house?" Marcotti is like, "I'm a doctor." <laughs> I think he's probably a doctor of languages, right? Doesn't he speak about eight languages fluently? Either way, not not the kind of doctor that gives us news after a surgery. Does he speak the language of medicine? That's what we want to know. Doctor of culture. Anyway, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, thanks very much to all of our listeners. Um, we will be back again next week at the start of the week. Um, until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.